there's a there's a thing in Canada. It, it's, I'm not surprised that you know that gerbil, considering the amount of dishes that were there when we were there. Oh, it's a lot. Fucking try to burn not, heaven rope. I say I could have been an asshole and said nobody can come to my house and get away from their life for a minute. But I, I mean, mean you it's... could have, but I greatly appreciate it considering the amount of trouble I was going through with my brother at the time. Dude, you know you must. You, you could just come over anytime you want to. Damn, that's no big deal. Uh, as long as you can deal with my may farce. take you up on that offer here in a day or two. Yeah, sure, dude. Apparently, my ga- apparently dinner. But, um, gas. Um, apparently, Jazz uh, will go ahead and warn you that um, <laughs> you can hear me pretty much anywhere in your house whenever I snore. That is that is a true yeah. statement. You can hear me at any, any place. I went out into the sunroom to smoke, and before I turned anything on, he was like almost rattling the window at the door, and I was like, damn, all right, okay. Yeah, I, mean, I really needed the rest that day. <laughs> Dude, I've heard you snoring at Dave and Sharon's house when you were downstairs and I was upstairs. Yeah, yeah, he he uh, snores like a gutted wild boar. Um, so can't be helped. <laughs> uh, I've been recording for a minute, so welcome to the swear jar, everyone. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I got dragged into it anyway, didn't I? Well, I mean, you don't have yes, to be here for the did. whole episode. Uh, I understand that. I, no, stick around. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're being lazy. I understand as, like, you know, an editor and producer, you don't always want to be here for everything. I get it, you know. Um, But I am trying to make your life easier, you know. I changed my recording screen so that it is a logo of the swear jar instead of the be right back or whatever the fuck it was before. So now you can just put this straight up on YouTube. Easy be easy, lemon squeezy. Um, You know how many places this podcast is? Uh, I think it's like oh, yeah. seven. Yeah, eight if you count eight. Few. Yeah. So I mean, I'm actually, can Facebook now? Facebook. God damn it, Gerbil. Nine places right now. We're on Facebook. Oh, we're gonna get yeah. censored. <laughs> Probably. No, we're gonna get cancel cultured. All right, like. That's what we oh, mean. It's just as bad. I mean, I already got canceled once. So that's all right. They just let me come back after four days. Yeah, you know, fuck YouTube and fuck Facebook well, and fuck all of it. Copyright's right. a thing, yo. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know what? I can't say fuck YouTube entirely because I do use YouTube occasionally. Um, I do not even have a Facebook. Mine does not exist anymore. It'll be meta in a couple weeks. Well, I don't have it either, and I don't care. One of the dudes I work with came up to me today and asked me if I had, uh, what was it that he asked me? If I had a uh, Snapchat, and I looked at him like he had three heads, I was like, you realize that I am a 30-year-old man who does not have Facebook or Instagram or any of it, right? He's like, you really need to, man. And I'm like, you're a child, all right? You are a wee babe. Do not speak to me. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, you're 19. Like, go away, bro. Oh, he's twisting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a fu- he's just like Tristan too because he's only had one girlfriend ever. Oh, he's a good kid though. All right. Oh, I like Tristan. He's a good kid. All right, so what we're gonna do here. We're gonna we're gonna slow down from the the wackety smackety crazy talk that we we usually do. Um, and this week we're going to uh, talk about the Bell Witch. And I have taken so many pages of notes. All right. Like my hand, <laughs> I have not written this much in a while. And I procrastinated way too much and didn't do all of this shit until like this week. So I have learned my lesson. And the next time we do one of these, I'm going to start it immediately upon deciding what it is. All right. So let me ask you this. Is it, is it enough that you would consider it almost like a college term paper? In essence? No, 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 no. It's like 11 pages of notes. But I mean, that would be a college term paper if you ask me. How can I write that many notes in college? What? what? Is Jesse in the <laughs> background making fun of me too? Paper. She said she doesn't even write that many pages in college now. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> That's why I called it a term paper. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So 
we're going to go over some stuff about the Bell Witch. Some of it is going to be a little bit like a story, because uh, I will be going over it in time period, quote-unquote, order. But mm-hmm. let's start well, with the fact that it happened in the early 1800s. Um, yep. The approximate dates are from 1817 to 1820. Uh, mm-hmm. it, some hold over into 1821. John Bell dies at the end of 1820, cementing the quote-unquote end of the official haunting. Um, yeah. But the first book wasn't written about it until 75 years after the original haunting, meaning it's all second and third-hand accounts. So... Everything I'm about to say, what I want you to do, all right, if you're wearing glasses, I want you to take your glasses off and I want you to draw little quotes on each end of the glasses and put them back on because everything I'm going to say from this point forward has quotes around it because it may or may not be true, okay? Like, for the most part, there are some documented things, um, like I will say some factual things. Um, I mean, there were some journals that they still have from the Bell family, but it's few and far in between. Yeah, so, like, some of it is quote-unquote factual. Um, But, then again, take it with a grain of salt. Or, you know, take your clothes off and open your mind. You know? Maybe maybe you should be, maybe you should be at least, like, a bowl or two deep or, or, or roll a hog leg before this episode. Take a minute. You Pause the episode. Smoke a bowl. You will enjoy what I'm going to talk about so much more after you smoke a bowl. Or, or you know what? If that's not your thing, take a shot or two. You know, just open your mind up a little bit, and you will enjoy yeah, this. So, yeah. But, but wait until I finish, like, the next thing I'm about to talk about. All right. If you've already paused the episode and you came back to. Man, I'm sorry. I should have. I should have given you more warning. So, what we're going to start with is what I consider kind of fucked. All right. So, it's mm, like I said. I think this is. Yeah, this is early 1800s. Early 1800s in the antebellum South. Mm-hmm. So, the uh, the family, John Bell, the father. Uh, got married to his wife in 1782 when he was a uh, stout 32-year-old man and she was a uh, a 12-year-old girl okay now then dudes yeah, you are uh, you are the oldest one in this channel right now all right yeah all right could you imagine marrying a 12-year-old could you imagine how fucking annoying it would be to have a 12-year-old as a wife? Like, I mean, just, to be honest, just, I couldn't tolerate, I, I don't think I could tolerate somebody around my age, almost, honestly. That young? No. <laughs> I would have little to no patience. <laughs> yeah. Then, okay, to top it off and make it even more just fucked, before she was even 18 years old, she had delivered four children. Okay. One of which died. Yeah, one of which died, but she still... Which meant, like, dude was fucking a 12-year-old. Now then, do I think that's alright? No, by no means. Do I no. <laughs> but in the 1800s, Antebellum South, unfortunately, that was the norm. It was... Yeah, it was unfortunately common practice. Yes, along with the fact that they also owned nine slaves, which comes mm-hmm. a little bit into play later on in the story, but uh, it is just uh, an unfortunate part of landowning in the 17 and 1800s. Um, that anything pre the Civil War, that's pretty common. Um, Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Now then, little is really talked about or known about them going to, you know, before they came to Tennessee. Uh, But their first farm was in North Carolina and was apparently cursed from the beginning. Um, Mm. All their livestock and everything died from a mysterious disease. Yeah. uh, Well, their cows and pigs got a mysterious disease and the mules died of colic. Uh, but apparently, year after year, everybody around him, their cop crops would come up just fine. 
but his would fail routinely, which, you know, that's maybe yeah. he's just a shitty farmer. Who knows? But it's a thing. So they moved mm-hmm. from North Carolina to the Red River area of uh, Tennessee, which is now, uh, I believe it's Adams County is what it's called. Um, yes, it's known as Adams County. Yeah. Uh, they lived there, and before the haunting, John Bell was considered a, a very highly respected man in the area. I mean, he, he was, was one of the richest men in the area, too. Yeah, had money and land and slaves and went to church and was all that fun shit. But there's one person in town who wasn't really a big fan of John Bell. All right. And that would be the woman who supposedly cursed his family and started the Bell Witch on all that stuff was a woman by the name of Kate Batts. Uh, they called her mm-hmm. Old Kate. Um, Dooms, guess how old Old Kate is? How old do you think a woman named Old Kate is? All right. I'm going to say somewhere in her 20s, maybe. 20s? No, you're you're being real kind, I guess. She, uh, from what we understand, she was somewhat, uh, somewhere in her 40s. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. And you're going to love this. Spectrum old. All right, I was this... only going off of just based off of the previous evidence. I was just like, man, this town feels like it might be kind of fucked up a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Well, no, that was normal. The the 12 year old marrying a 32 year old. Like, I'm going to get to more of that later on. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, this is one of my favorite quotes I, I, from all this. Uh, Kate Batts was said to have no greater height than a normal woman, but definitely greater girth. All right. Mm -hmm. And that was not fat shaming. Uh, She was apparently a quite stout woman, uh, mostly because she took over the family farm after her husband's legs were crushed by a falling tree branch. Um, How big a tree branch does it have to be back then? I wonder, dude, who knows? I, I tend to think it'd be something, you know, well, I mean, you guys have seen how thick my legs are. It'd have to be a pretty good-sized tree branch for me to think that it would, you know, cause serious damage. Yeah, but that's you. This farmer dude was probably about my size. <laughs> you know, like, a, a yeah, branch the size of your leg. You know, plus, you gotta think, how high was this branch falling from? You know, the more speed it gets. That's true, I mean. And it, it was, it didn't really say tree branch, maybe it just said... Up. Uh, his uh, legs were crushed by a tree. Yeah, by a tree. Just, so... It was very vague. It's like, did the fucking tree trunk just decide, now fuck you, bro? Yeah, it was pretty vague on that. Um, so she took over the family farm. Um, she had three kids. Uh, the boys were said to be spindly and gawky and didn't take to society. Uh, and then their third child, Mary doesn't show up outside to be mentioned that she exists. All right? Like, yeah. that she exists. She, yeah, she was apparently the normal one of the family. They're all like, oh, her. From what, well, from what I can gather, she seemed to be pretty intelligent and probably just got the fuck off the farm as soon as possible. Probably. Um, yeah. She just got the fuck out of there. Um, but, Can't blame her. Yeah. Black, hi, sorry I left. Oh, you're back again? Yeah, why Kate called me. Sorry, continue. Oh, that's weird. Um, but Kate Batts, being that after her husband, you know, was, you know, crushed by a tree, she uh, took over the family farm. Well, as a woman in the 1800s, she became exceedingly outspoken and accused all men of stealing from her, essentially, or trying to... Uh, not really rob her, but like trying to screw her over would be a better way to put it in dealings. Yeah. Slight her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the reason she had a problem with John Bell is that her husband was hurt. He offered to buy her like a parcel of unused land. And apparently, from what I read, it involved a cash loan and a person. Uh, yeah, I was about to go over that, actually. Uh, the it's, He was originally going to buy a piece of land from her. And after a negotiation, it was deemed that he would give them one person 
um, and a cash loan, but he never put a uh, like an interest rate into the bill of sale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when the first bill was due and he came up with an extraordinarily high, you know, interest rate, she publicly shamed him and went nuts about this all the way until he was uh, before he passed away. He was excommunicated, uh, excommunicated from his church mm-hmm. for usury and coveting his neighbor's land. But this wasn't until years and years later. Yeah, well, it was right before it was before he passed away. Yeah, but I'm talking about it wasn't until like a couple years later, though. Yeah, it was about five years after that that it ended up happening. But honestly, I think part of why they excommunicated him was because at that point the quote unquote witch was or had already been attacking them for two or three years and bothering the town and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So I'd say part of it was just the church was also fed up, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. A lot of people don't get the bell, Witch was not exclusive to the bell family. She was a regional phenomenon. She fucked with everyone. Not everyone, but she did. Fuck, she fucked with mostly men. Um, yeah, I was saying like anyone who came on the Bell property or just generally annoyed her, she would leave the Bell property. If you were in town, she'd find you in town and smack the shit out of you. Yeah. So. Damn. Yeah, she she was kind of a wild bitch. Um, honestly, it's the reason why yeah. most men in town, <laughs> even prior to the start of the Bell Witch stuff, considered her to be a witch. And for a while, the Bell Witch was referred to as Kate Bat's witch. Um, now then i will be calling the witch many things throughout the course of this a witch a ghost a spirit mostly because a poltergeist because it it fits so many different criteria of those things it seems more to me uh if it is real at all that it was a poltergeist haunting now then i will not be going over theories because there are many, and I don't care. I'm just gonna go over. We could do a whole. We could do a whole episode about theories. Yeah, I'm just gonna go over some facts about what happened. You know that shit. So don't don't expect theories at the end of this. Um, but <clears throat> for what essentially started it all was considered a conflict in church. Now then, before I even begin this, I'm gonna go ahead and say, do I believe this story? This part of the story, at least. No, not in the slightest, because it involves a woman in the 1800s yelling at a man in the middle of a church. And I just cannot believe that a woman in that time period would do that. Okay, like I understand Kate Batts is considered an outspoken woman, but it seems to me like this is an author's rendition of somebody who believes Kate Batts to be the instigator of the witch and stuff like that. And this story was created as a way to make her out to be the witch. Because, like... Yeah. Um, oh, let me get into it. So, it, it literally would have been nothing of an argument if it did happen at all. If it wasn't for the fact that it coincides with the beginning of the witch ha- haunting. Okay? So, a little bit more about Kate. Kate Batts never missed a day of church, or a Sunday service. Ever. She was always at every single church Sunday, every single time. But she never showed up until about halfway through the service. Okay? Like, it was said that she had the loudest singing voice and the most vocal amens of the church. Which, okay, you know, she's a big, burly woman. I I, I could believe that she's loud. And so, during one service, obviously, Kate's not there yet, uh... A quote-unquote sinner decided, you know, because it was a, you know, crazy sermon, blah, 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 you know, whatever. It was his time to repent. So he went up to kneel at the altar, and a bunch of the people from the church gathered around him to do the, you know, laying of hands and prayers and hallelujahs and amens and whatever the fuck they're going to do. You know how it is. Um, Some hooting and hollering. Yeah, hooting and hollering. (laughs) And Kate Batts enters late, as usual, 
having no fucking clue what's going on, but seeing everybody in the prayer circle. And by this point, the man is on his, you know, hands and knees. She bursts through the circle, knocks the man over, throws her, you know, obscenely large uh, dress over her shoulder, and plops her 200-pound ass on his chest. Okay? And... You know, according to legend, blah, 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 starts screaming out the sin. All right. I don't know what the fuck that means, except for that a large woman sat on a man's chest and started going, that's all I can think of. So I guess that's like I said, I don't buy this story, but it's kind of funny, you know, if you think about it. Um, I really think this story was just wrote to like, you know demonize Kate Bass. Yeah, really just what demonize I her even further. Uh, apparently, the man yelled, Lord, save me. Lift Satan off me or I will uh, uh, what was it? I, I will sink into eternal torment. Alright? Which is pretty uh, pretty extreme. I will sink into eternal torment. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, only because it'd be a hard image to repress. Yeah, obviously, Kate Batts, being the woman that she is, uh, outspoken and all, started arguing and yelling and saying that she was quite happy where she was and she wasn't going to get up. And At this point, because, like I said, this is still early on into John's career living in this area, people still really like John Bell. Um, he And he's apparently a deeply religious man who went up and started you know, giving her shit. You know, how dare you make a mockery of this man's salvation to the Lord and blah, 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 this and that and the other thing. And they started arguing and eventually he apparently called her a lying witch. And instead of arguing or like saying, no, 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 I'm not a witch. She started saying, witch am I? Witch am I? I'd be a witch and then said some weird curse and blah, blah, blah. I'm not... Like I said, I'm not going into too much of this story, but and curse John and his family and the farm and that apparently happened just weeks before the uh, Bell Witch haunting began. Mm-hmm. We are a lot further into this episode than I thought we would be at this point. We still have so well, many I mean... ages. You are setting the scene, so... Yeah, I mean, I spent some time setting the scene. We are, like I said, it's 1800s. At this point, it's around 1817, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, But I will say, the haunting really only affected two people. Like, yes, like like Mark said earlier, it did have, quote-unquote, effects on the rest of the area, but most of those effects were annoying comparatively to what it did to john and betsy bell yeah i mean it took most of its aggression out on john and betsy and it would do it to a few other people but really she would mainly just appear and start talking mad shit yeah like we'll get to that here in a minute um but supposedly in september of uh, 1817 john was tending to his cornfield when he saw well, he couldn't really explain except for a huge black beast sitting at the end of the crop field. After a while of staring at it, he decided he figured it it looked like it had the body of a dog, but the head of a rabbit. And the only thing he could truly identify was bright green glowing eyes. So, like a, a fucking southern man in the 1800s, he pulled out his flintlock pistol and he shot at the dog thing. Uh, but when the smoke cleared, that there was nothing at the end of the field. He couldn't see anything. There was just essentially nothing there. Yeah, and he went the fuck home really panicked because he was like, what the fuck was that thing? Yep. Then, a few weeks later, him and his son saw a giant bird fly overhead, flew by before they could actually get a shot, but they they described it as like almost like a pterodactyl, essentially, like that size, but mm-hmm. more like a raven of that size. Um, then a few weeks later, Betsy and her two, uh, two of her brothers were walking home and they suddenly like the best, the way it was described was felt their energy being drained as they were walking. Mm -hmm. 
And for some reason, instead of turning and going the other way, they kept walking in the direction they were going. And they finally kept going until they saw something green hanging in a tree. And they went up to it like fucking children do, because children are stupid sometimes. Um, I'd be getting the fuck out of there. Uh, but what they saw was what appeared to be a brown-haired woman hanging in a tree with a green dress. And she was obviously dead by the fact that she's hanging from a tree by a noose. Uh, but what was really weird was that it looked like she was essentially actively crying. Um, so they turned and fucking ran. But when they looked over their shoulder, they didn't see the woman hanging in the tree anymore. Mm-hmm. So. Then they talked to one of their... Uh... They talked to one of their slaves later on, and she's like, mm-hmm, you need to be careful of that. That's the uh, green's the color of the devil. Oh, well, no, the devil's hag. Devil's hag, sorry. Yeah, uh, honestly, up until the late 19th, early 20th century, green was the color of the devil. Mm-hmm. The devil then everyone didn't changed become it red until, I think it was like the late 1800s. No, it was like the early, yeah. Late 18, early 1900s. It was the early 1900s, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those weird sightings all kicked off the Bell Witch haunting. All right. Over the course of the couple mm-hmm. from September to like October, those those uh, supposedly all happened. Then it went from stuff in or outside the house to, you know, how normal paranormal hauntings begin. Knocks inside the house. Which, when the knocks first started, John Bell thought that it was, which is the dumbest thing ever, alright, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He thought that Kate Batts was sending slaves over to his house to throw stones onto his roof to drive him crazy at night. Yeah, he thought... He, he thought it was essentially a prank war. Yeah, he thought that she was having slaves play, play pranks on him. Alright, and... I'm sorry. Slaves were not having fun. All right. Like if they were having fun no. playing pranks on other people, we wouldn't still be upset about it 200 years later. Okay. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's just how I feel about it. Yeah. You know, but so that's how it started. And then it went from that to the sound of rats chewing on the bedposts, which that sounds like a horrifying sound mm-hmm. to wake up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, it would be so loud that it would wake yeah. the children up from their sleep. And whenever they would light lanterns to f- try and find the noise, it would just go into another room. Okay. Mm-hmm. Every then, time they tried to find it, it would just move. Yeah, it just kept moving around the house. It was driving them insane. Um, and then they would start hearing the sounds of lips smacking and the sound of someone being choked to death. And every night, these sounds would go on. And every night, as time went on, these sounds would go on for longer and longer. At first, it started out only going on for like, you know, a couple minutes a night. Until it would go on for six hours, eight hours. You know, basically from sundown till sunup, they would hear these noises. The sounds of wild storms without a cloud in the sky... Wild dogs fighting invisibly throughout the house. Uh, Knocks on the roof so loud it was as if rocks were being dropped. Ghostly chains pulled across the floors. And oddly enough, ducks could be heard angrily quacking and flapping throughout the hallways. Everything else was scary except the ducks. Yeah, it was so scary. And then they had to put the ducks into the story. It was like, what are you doing? Like, why did you do yeah, that? Yeah, it's something really annoying. <laughs> like, I like, get if it. it was geese, if it was geese, if it was geese, yeah, because I'm not fuck with no geese. Those things are mean. Yeah, but... geese are mean, but like, <laughs> ducks are just annoying. Yeah, I mean, I guess that was the point, though. The Bell Witch was just trying to fucking annoy everybody at that point. Yeah, and this is before it can mm-hmm. speak. It does get yeah. its ability to speak at some point, which I will not be doing act outs. All right, I'm not doing that tonight. It I, mean, is, I gotta be honest, though, that's a pretty impressive amount of pranks, though, so far. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If the, yeah. the, that was a bunch of slaves, though, those slaves are real talented. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I have a hard time thinking that that wouldn't be problematic. <laughs> yeah. You're not. You're not going to act it out there, Jeff. No, I'm not going to act out anything. Uh, then after that, it escalated further. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Then, Jesse and we both said bummer. So. Oh yeah. What are you doing? Did you just Jeremy? get back on the mic to smack lips, Jeremy? I said Jesse and I both said bummer. 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 Yeah. Uh, are you guys listening to me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah, we both are. yeah, that's lovely. That's lovely. She's, well, she's eating cookies and I'm watching TV, listening to you. Alrighty then. Well. So that all happened. That that rounds out the year of uh, 1817 and continues on into 1818 until one night the spirit finally becomes physical. And from that point forward, it will be well, more or less regularly physical attacking somebody. Yeah. Um, the first person it physically attacked, it smacked Betsy Bell seven times. No, it starts by pulling her hair and pulling her out of bed. The smacking oh, her was yeah. uh, later on. I always get that confused in my head. Yeah, the, the, there's one spot where, like, there are certain things where, you know, people say you know it's real because of how detailed it is. Because nobody could come up with that. Dude, I could come up with some weird-ass shit, alright? I come up with stories all the time. We play D&D, and that shit comes out my fucking brain, okay? Alright, I've read fantasy books. People can come up with specific details, okay? Don't... Alright. Oh, yeah. So. Starts off with uh, Betsy Bell. It It would pull the sheets off her bed and pull her hair, pull her out of bed by her hair... You know, slap her in the face by with a. It's said that she was slapped in the face with the force of a fully grown adult man. Okay, and the more mm-hmm. she struggled, the more she would be slapped, which is fucking intense for a twelve-year-old girl. All right, because just yeah. so you understand, all of the physical part of the haunting begins right as Betsy becomes twelve years old and starts being ready to be courted for marriage. Okay. Now yeah. then, I, the, who was I will say if I remember, I don't remember if she was 16 or 18, like she was older when she got married, still not okay because she got married to like a 34 year old man, but she was 18 when she finally got married. She yeah, waited. She made he was late. 25 years older than her. Um, yeah, I mean, there are other countries where that would probably be less considered of a problem. But I mean, not and, saying and, like not saying it's okay by here. But yeah, by, it's all accounts, by all accounts, that she got married, she was the happiest she'd ever been the rest of her life. Yeah, that by is all that is what is said. But um, so of course, John Bell, you know, not wanting to deal with his daughter being attacked and all that shit, went to the church for help and got. Reverend James Johnston came to the house and uh, all right, just, just so I can precursor everything that's going to go forward from here. Okay. Their house was so far out in the fucking sticks. If you went to their house and it was later on in the evening, you were staying the night there. Like there was no going back to town. It was, it was fucking dark. Right. It wasn't modern. Didn't have street lights or lamps or anything like that. Horses weren't traveling in the dark with no light. All right, like they they're yeah, not doing that either. Through, like electricity and everything. So. <laughs> like, like, exactly. Um, yeah, about that level. <laughs> so he came to the house, you know, did his thing, read quotes from the Bible, did his hallelujahs and amens and throwing holy water and whatnot, and he uh, he felt that that he had cleaned this house and he went to bed satisfied. Then mm-hmm. the ghost. Like everyone else, pulled the sheets from his bed, started up the noises for the night, pulled Betsy bed out of her bed by her hair, and then slapped her seven times. That's the part you were thinking of, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, where when the Reverend came. Yeah. And uh, the, and the, when the witch did start talking, she referred to this Reverend as old sugar mouth. Yeah, old sugar mouth, which was. Well, that actually comes into play here in a minute, too. Yeah. So the following year, <laughs> Betsy turned 13 and 
The man who would court her and eventually marry her that year was a 31-year-old man when she was 13. And her fucking teacher. Yeah, his name was Richard Powell, and he was her teacher. Okay? This is more evidence yeah. of what I was saying the other night. Of Sometimes you gotta raise a wife. Okay? And the fucked up thing? If you properly he raise came a wife. The he came over to the house to talk about her education, and the fucking mom brought up him marrying her daughter. Yeah. And then... They had a fucking ghost incident while he was there. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. And th- uh, so since the ghost had started doing knocks, they figured, you know, let's ask some questions. They started asking the ghost questions, you know, to, to get a little bit more out of it and asked it, you know, how many rooms were in the house? How many slaves did they own? How far was it to town? Just stupid shit, you know, like that. Maybe the answer then, with knocks, yeah. Yeah, then Richard Powell, the teacher, apparently started speaking in Latin and Greek, trying to get the uh, spirit to communicate in a more, you know, meaningful way. I don't buy that. I feel like he tried to speak that, and he was like, these motherfuckers don't know what I'm saying. They'll think I'm smart. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. Um, But he was the local teacher, so he might have known one of, he might have known Latin. All right. I'll give him Latin, but Greek is like, come on, Especially because, like, a lot of Bibles that back then were probably still printed in Latin. If you're highly educated, it's possible. Which, if he was a teacher, he would have been for that time. Um, But, as time moves forward, the following year, they start hearing whispering throughout the house. All right? Less of the other Mm -hmm. noises, although they do still happen, and more whispering. But the whispering sounds as though it's the prayers of uh, the the father who the, the pre reverend who had come through, but in a demonic voice, almost mocking him, which mm. that does happen. Um, yeah. but following all of this, now that it's you know whispering and it this has been going on for a year and a half by this point, almost two years, the whole town knows about it. Mm-hmm. This yeah, because is... the reverend made them tell. Well, yeah, this is, uh, Marky Mark, this is our fa- one of our favorite parts. Um, this is oh. the introduction of Frank Miles, the strongest man in town, also uh, known as Ghost Bro, okay? Oh, my God, this part. Yeah. I fucking love this part of the story. This guy, like he said, the strongest man in town. And by his logic, if this ghost was smacking Betsy Bell, then he could beat the shit out of the ghost because he was like, it can hit you. I can hit it. So he goes there, you know, starts sitting there and saying, he's going to whoop the ghost's ass, punch it back to perdition, pretty much screaming, come at me ghost. Well, the bell, witch smacks Betsy so hard. She spins around. And to this guy that signaled the fights on. So he's runs in that direction, jumps, shatters the fucking chair. That's there. The witch keeps fucking with him, moving shit around, and he's running around smashing everything until he runs out of steam. Then the bell witch proceeds to smack the shit out of him, beat him up a little bit, and he's like, oh, it's nothing. I'm just going to go to bed. Then the bell witch wasn't done with him. She came back to his room that night and proceeded to do her normal shit. She taunted him, smacked him. John Bell found him cowering under the bed, scared shitless. And then later on, he comes back with the flower. Because in his mind, he couldn't hit the ghost because it was moving too fast. So if he throws flower on it, it'll hit the ghost and he can see where it's at and he can beat the shit out of it. But the mother decided after he coated half the house in flour, no, you can just you can just fucking leave, go away. Yeah. Stop throwing flowers in my house. Stop throwing flour in my fucking house, you dick. Uh, it's like you've already broke half my furniture, so... Yeah. So, shortly after that, because, like I said, things just keep rolling through. Uh, Betsy Sorry, Bell, guys, we got a little story there. You, yeah, I, I love Ghost Bro. <laughs> Ghost Bro and then uh, the fucking wizard here in a minute. The wizard yeah. I really enjoyed, too. Um. So, shortly after, she began having what they called possessions. Um, what I would call a seizure. Okay. Uh, it was said that she would faint, 
When she would come to, she would have high-pitched gasps until she passed out. Once she came back to again, her eyes would roll back into her head, her pulse would drop, which I don't know how they know her pulse dropped, okay, this is more of like, I don't believe all of this shit was documented exactly, uh, whatever, um, and she would roll from side to side, as if something were trying to crush her, so, um, if anybody's seen, that sounds like a seizure, yeah, it sounds exactly like a seizure, doesn't it, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think some of this is just undocumented medical problems um, because yeah. it's also stated that Betsy Bell was a quote-unquote gifted ventriloquist, meaning that she could be yeah. making up some of this. I won't say all of it. Some of it could just be like some ergot, you know, because that was back in the day that was uh, would give people bad hallucinations. Um, it could be, you know, some other type of fungus or infection or something like that, that is making these people loose, uh, hallucinate, but it's neither here nor there. It Um, is possible. Yeah. What's funny is every time one of those fits would happen, the ghost would show up because now by this point it can speak. And it would just be gossiping about the neighbors, about who's a drunk, yeah. and if somebody skipped church, or oh yeah, fell asleep in church. yeah, this one fell asleep at church the other day. Um, then on to something Mark pointed out, you know, good bit of go into the podcast now. Uh, Sorry. Now that you're good, the ghost was a racist. Okay. Yeah. A virulent racist ghost. Yeah. Yeah, the ghost hated the Bell family's slaves with a fury. Yeah. Uh, it is said that it used the worst names of the times to describe the slaves. Um, which, I don't know why they had to make the ghost racist. Alright, like, this is a, a wild yeah. enough story. Did they have to make the ghost racist, too? I mean, what John Bell did to try to get rid of the ghost with the slaves was a dick move. He yeah, used he them would, as bait pretty much. Yeah, he would have them stay in the house hoping that it would get the Bell Witch to leave him alone. Yeah, and all it did was berate them and belittle them all night. And they're just like, man, our life already sucks, but this is really worse. <laughs> yep. And around that time is when the ghost turns it, stops turning its attention on Betsy and starts turning its homicidal intentions onto John. Uh, Which, yeah. Sorry, you forgot to mention earlier when they when it first started talking, they asked it what it wanted, and it said it was there to kill John Bell. Yeah. And when they said they were like, "Why?" He goes, "John Bell is a bad man, and he deserves to die." That's all she would say about it. Which does go into a theory. Well, we're not getting into theories. Um, but it started off with what was considered an intermittent stiffness of the tongue along mm. with a sensation he was being punched in the jaw. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, honestly, is most likely a tooth infection, because back then they didn't really take care of their teeth very well, and if anybody's had a tooth infection, like, uh, my wisdom teeth have gotten infected before, before I got them taken out. That's um, the worst fucking pain you could ever dude, feel. it feels like, like somebody's punching you in the mouth. It feels, if it's bad enough, it feels like you're getting stabbed right in your gum. Yeah. All right. And apparently this would start off as short bursts of pain. And as the time went on, it would go until it lasted 16, 18 hours a day, which yet again, Mm -hmm. if you have had a tooth infection and it has gotten bad enough for you to be like, I need to go to it. Well, actually, if you've had one at all and didn't go to a doctor, you're an idiot, but because it it hurts. Mm -hmm. Um, but, like, the first couple days, if you don't get to a doctor within, like, a week, your pain level does hit that point. All right? Like, during the pandemic, I, I had my wisdom teeth pulled, which meant it took a minute for me to be able to get into a doctor. So I dealt with my wisdom tooth being infected for probably a good week. Um, so I know that pain. Then it was, uh, so, back to the story. Then it was also said that he had a visible fungus growing on the back of his tongue that would cause him to have a swollen throat. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, they said his tongue pretty much became like a rock that was just in his mouth, like yeah. stiff, couldn't do anything. Yeah, which, I mean, must have made it really difficult to say anything at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and must like, not just stop and think about no. Yeah, what? No, go ahead. I said, just stop and think about how shitty that would be. Like, yeah, it would suck now, but back then, he couldn't just stop working. He had to still go out in the fields and work the farm and everything. Oh, yeah. Because, like, he just, he couldn't stop. He just had to keep going. Yeah. You know what he wasn't doing, though? What? He wasn't performing any kind of lingus. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No wonder right. his wife was so pissed. Yeah, yeah, no wonder his wife was pissed all the damn time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that and probably the constant dip spit that they were cleaning up, which is probably why he had a tooth infection to begin with. You know. Mm-hmm. So, as the time went on, this is when the ghost got its new characters, which yeah. I am not going to pronounce one of these right. Okay? And it's the second one. But the first character was known as the boss. Uh, his name was Black Dog, and he was a rough and mean-spirited, you know, boss would yell at the others and tell them what to do. Under that, yeah, under under the Black Dog was psychopathy, no, psychopathy, yep, I told you I wasn't going to be able to pronounce it. All right. Yeah, Uh, that one's yeah, was a jokester and the town gossip, apparently. Uh, the next one was named Mathematics. Pretty obvious. Uh, logical, logic reason, blah, 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 that stuff. Uh, and then there was Jerusalem, who really, the most they said about Jerusalem was that it had a little boy's voice and was kind of innocent and claimed to be uh, the only honest one of the group, which is why they always picked on him. Which, yeah, yeah. The the spirits are weird, <clears throat> um, because yeah, even sometimes though, the spirits would come back drunk. Yeah, that's what I was about to talk about. They would go and get drunk, quote unquote, drunk, and get into drunken arguments. And apparently, mm-hmm. normally that only happened if they had alcohol in their house. But if they didn't have any alcohol and they they I guess wanted to get drunk, they'd go steal the alcohol from their neighbors which I don't know how that works either, um, and come in all, like, sentimental drunks, which I don't know about you, but sentimental drunk is one of the worst. Like, I love you, Mark, but you're one of the worst kind of drunks. All right. I am. <laughs> it depends on what mood I'm in, but yeah. at the time, I'm just very annoying, I know. Yeah. So. I think you've only seen two for me. In all the years I've known you, Dooms, I've only known you too drunk to drive once. I've only seen you too drunk to do anything <laughs> once. That re- required a shit ton of jello shots and a very short period of time. Um, mm-hmm. So, now that John is dealing with all of these different noises and spirits has been going on for years and nothing so far has worked, he says, fuck it, you know, maybe we should just move. And as he you know, makes that announcement to his family that maybe they're going to move, the spirit supposedly came forth, well, you know, made a noise, and said, told John, you can go wherever you like, I shall follow you to the end of the earth. Which, mm-hmm. yeah. At this point... Go ahead. So that's pretty much proven because... The Bell Witch wasn't just confined to their farm. She could go anywhere in that county. Well, yeah, because it was said once uh, during the time of the Bell Witch stuff, a haunting that uh, Betsy went over to her friend's house one night to stay the night, and she got attacked over there, and the noises Mm -hmm. were still going on on the Bell Farm, meaning that the Mm -hmm. spirit was in two places at once. So it is possible, but at, at this point, some of the neighbors had abandoned them. Some of it because they were scared. Some of them were just tired of the situation. Some of them were just bored of it, you know? But every night, at least a couple people would come over 
to spend some time talking to the spirits to try and give John just that slight reprieve from all of the noise and craziness of his house. And to make things even weirder and crazier, the spirits would come out in so- and present a song for each one, which that would be funny. All right. It sounds like, uh, God damn it. There it went. The sound of music, the kids. Oh yeah. It reminds me of that. Wait. So, oh yeah. Okay. Now that people have abandoned him, some of the people, a couple people went to Kentucky and got the premier necromancer of Kentucky, Dr. Solomon Mize, who was said to be a short, fat little man with a wide-brim hat. And Marky Mark, Mm. you talk a little bit about him, because it goes from him into uh, the Andrew Jackson appearance, which you're going to talk about that Uh, as well. Yeah. All right, so this necromancer... He comes in, proclaims that he can get rid of the ghost. And the Bell family's like, well, dude, how, how are you going to know if the ghost is here? And he pulls out this little contraption that essentially looks like a little windmill. And he's like, this will blow whenever the ghost gets near me. And he's sitting there pulling out his potions and everything. And the Bell Witch decides to make her appearance. She literally comes right behind him and just goes, boom! Scares the shit out of the guy. And he's like, what is that? She's like, I've been standing here for over an hour and your little contraption didn't pick me up. That was the only interaction he had with the actual Bell Witch. After that, Black Dog started fucking with him. And Black Dog had a lot of hatred for this guy. Started talking mad shit about him, about his potions, his concoctions. He's like, I've smelled your potions and your concoctions. You have left out key ingredients. So then they started arguing over who knew biblical lore better. And, well, obviously, this guy got schooled by the Bell Witch. Bell Witch made fun of him, and uh, Black Dog called him an uncooked sausage and told him he was a lump of dog shit. Then the next morning, after this dude wakes up, he calls his horse to to go get breakfast. His horse cannot move, and he can't get off the horse. Then Black Dog appears and he goes, hmm, all right, I think you can leave now. Smacks the horse's ass and he takes off flying. Then the Bell Witch proceeded to gloat about this for at least a good three weeks later because she thought it was fucking hilarious that one of her people got one up on this dude like that. And he was supposed to be the premier necromancer that could banish anything. I'm skipping a lot of parts because that's a really long story, but that's the gist of it. Yeah, and then after that, like I was saying, uh, who was it? It was future president Andrew Andrew Jackson. Jackson. Mm -hmm. He showed up on the farm, um, which, yet again, it's one of those things. I'm going to talk a little bit about this one. Him and two of his cohorts came. Um, and he only showed up because one of the Bell family's sons had served under him, so he knew the family. Yeah, so one of the guys is talking all kinds of mad shit about how he's killed all kinds of spirits mm-hmm. and this and that, and that he never leaves home without silver-tipped bullets. Which, uh... That's... Oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Um... Yeah, that like, guy just gets... for reference, everyone, that guy was so fucking annoying that they hated him so much that he's only referred to in the journals as the obnoxious one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, got something caught in my throat there. Um, but supposedly, the Bell Witch pick grabbed him by his nose picked him up until he was on his tippy toes and dragged him around the room. And then as he went to leave, kicked him in the butt on the way out the door because he obviously left screaming in terror. And that man never Mm -hmm. returned to Jackson's side. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
But the Bell Witch had a very pleasant conversation with Andrew Jackson. She had nothing but respect for him. They had a polite conversation. Yeah. And um, yeah. That was about really, it. That for... was it. He... Yeah. He, he yeah. Was... I mean, he's on the way to the house. She stopped his buggy, and they couldn't move. And he goes, "By the Eternal, boys, it must be the Bell Witch." And then her voice appeared, and she goes, "Ha! At least you know. I'll see you tonight, General." So then. In uh, the spring of 1820, Lucy Bell contracted a disease called pleurisy. All right. Mm -hmm. Pleurisy is uh, an inflammation of the lungs, causing it to be very difficult to breathe. So you would think that at this point, the Bell Witch had turned her sights onto Lucy, which, no. Instead, it would sing sweet songs to Lucy Bell and make sure that. Only the favorite, or only her favorite foods were brought to her home. Anybody who brought any foods that she did not like, she would scare them away and then magically make her favorite fruits appear, which mm-hmm. would be nice sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And around this time, too, the, what was it? Betsy Bell was playing in the Bell Witch Cave with a bunch of her friends. And one of the little boys got separated and got caught in a cave-in. You know, a lot of shit fell on him. They were like, oh no, like, where'd he go? The whole room that Betsy Bell was in lit up and the Bell Witch said, I'll get him. The little boy was trapped and he said it felt like someone grabbed his ankles and dragged him back to the cave's entrance. So the Bell Witch started helping people to an extent. Certain people. It did, but not John Bell. Because no, in October, secret of him. Yeah, in October of eighteen twenty, it was said that the final blow was hit upon John Bell, who was seventy-one years old at the time. Damn, he was born in like seventeen forty-nine. Um, after spending a week in bed with the painful swelling and twitching and body aches and all that, he f- figured he felt good enough on this day to go working in the hog pen. All right, Dooms, you've had hogs. All right, did you did you guys have a hog? I know. <laughs> yeah. All right, you have to go out there and and work in the hog pen every now and then, don't you? I mean, I've had to do it a few times, but it ain't my favorite thing to do. I sure as hell tell you that. All right. Yeah. So, so if I was John Bell, I would have just pretended to still be sick. Be like, no, nah, I don't feel good, bro. <laughs> All right. So, Dooms, during this part of the story, I want you to imagine you're John Bell for a second, okay? You're out in the hog oh. pen. Only imagine, like, you're in a real hog pen. All right? Like a 100-acre farm hog yeah, pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. him and his son are out in the hog pen. And while they're talking, whatever, shooting the shit, all of a sudden he gets knocked down and his boots flung off and thrown to the other side of the hog pen. His son Ugh. helps him up, helps, gets his, helps him get his boots back on and ties him with a double knot few minutes later, same thing. Gets knocked to the ground, boots thrown across the hog pen. So, yet again, the son helps him up, helps him get his boots on. Uh, Triple knots his boots. By that point, I've said the hell with that. Yeah, (laughs) dude, I'm with you. Just ain't my dick. Yeah. (laughs) Then, a third time. Okay? The third time, while he's laying there, the uh, bell witch smacks him in the face. And so... (laughs) He, uh, pretty defeated at this point. Um, yeah. Sits down. I mean, I'd be defeated if I had to walk in hog shit barefoot, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, starts, you know, just chilling there, and then his face starts twitching, his body starts twitching and contorting, and he cries out that, oh, no. Are you there? I'm here. Yeah. Okay. My recording program froze. Oh no. Up. Mm. Uh, well, no. There it is. It unfroze itself. It's still counting time. All right, cool. Gerbil might have to just edit that part out real quick. All right. I, I thought you were talking about John Bell just like, "Oh no." I was like, yeah. "Damn, that's pretty, so, yeah, that's pretty No, but John Bell cries out that the the witch has finally come to kill him and that his time has come. Uh but he didn't die there in the hog pen that day because he died a couple months later. 
Um, instead, he was brought back to his house where he crawled into his deathbed, never to leave the bed again. Mm-hmm. So, bef- I mean, just at bef- least it's a little more dignified than dying in a hog pen. Yeah, you know, you're not wrong. So, just before he died, this is one of my favorite, most fucked up stories of this episode, too. Um, a doctor came to check on him, you know, to, to see if she, he could do anything to help. And he looked throughout the house and found a vial in the kitchen, half filled with this horrible smelling black liquid. He couldn't figure out what it was, but he could smell the same smell on John's breath. So, the doctor, not sure what it was, you know, was like, well, what's the, you know, blah, blah, blah. The witch comes out and says that it had been slowly feeding that to John Bell, and that it had finally given him enough to kill him. You know, Mm -hmm. doctor not really believing the Bell Witch very much, gave some of the fucking shit to the cat, to their family cat, okay? Yeah. Cat ran around the house for a minute, fell over, went into a stupor, and then died. The doctor went, well, nothing else I can do, requested his fucking money, and then left. Yeah, I know I just did but fuck you, give me my money. Yeah, it's like, I just killed your family cat, but, you know, you'll get over it. Um, like, you, you still Then... On December 29th, 1820, John Bell died, ending the quote-unquote official part of the haunting. Uh, And to everyone's joy, the witch skipped the funeral. Mm -hmm. So then, as time went on, over the next couple weeks, the witch basically said that it would be leaving now because it had done what it set out to do. But it would return slowly went away to which now most people believe the witch is just centered around bell witch cave because it's the only original part left on the bell property yeah so we might talk about some hauntings that have happened at the bell witch cave later but for now that is a uh we'll say brief overview of the bell witch haunting and even though it was a brief keep overview, mind, have... it was still like an hour long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, we did simplify a lot of this for, you know, time's sake. Yeah, because otherwise this would have been at least two episodes, and I did not want to do that for this. Um, also, this took up more of my mental effort than any of our other podcast episodes in the past. So it will probably be... a after new year's before we do another one of these um i have spoken with uh mark and dooms before the podcast for the next thing we are going to do a uh christmas creepypasta okay which i'm very excited for um but we now that we are done with what we are speaking of with the bell witch we have one more interesting thing to cover that is going to be a setup for next week's episode. Well, not next week, the following week. Because next week, <laughs> I have a special friend in town that is going to join the episode. Um, but I asked Dooms to come up with something. I asked Dooms to make come up with a question for uh, basically give me a problem that doesn't exist. All right. And this is going to be for, like I said, in a couple weeks. Mark and I are going to come up with a solution for this. Like uh, like one of the Jackbox party games, essentially. Um, so, Dooms, what is your okay. problem that doesn't exist? Okay. So, what if there was, let's say, a newly discovered virus that pretty much wiped out rubber plants for the most part of it? So, like, they would still have the rubber to be able to make, like, internal parts that you would need that sort of thing for. But due to the scarcity of it, you couldn't use it for making tires anymore. So I need you to come up with an idea to do something for wheels as a substitute since you can't use rubber anymore. Oh, a substitute. Okay, so basically uh, you can no longer create <clears throat> rubber for tires. Yada, yada, right. yada. What do we use for tires? <clears throat> mm-hmm. All right. Now I understand. Well, he said he'll see how Stone Age I am. Yeah. 
right, all right. Yeah. I like this. I like this. Uh, let me let me put this into my a private thought so I don't forget about it. Substitute mm-hmm. for tires. Hmm. You know, now that I think of that, I think MythBusters did an episode did. about that. They did. Mm-hmm. Which is probably where he came up with the thought. <laughs> Actually, no. I was just sitting outside one day and I was trying to think of something that would be like a little bit of a challenge, but would also seem like something you would see in a Jackbox thing to do. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, well, that's the end of the episode. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. This is, uh, I think this might be our longest episode to date. So thank you all. Oh, for, so. Yeah. Thank you for making it through. Um, Oh, it's late, dude. It's real late our time. Yeah. Fuck me. <laughs> all right. Uh, hail Satan and hail yourself. <laughs> <laughs>